This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, the lone member and inaugural member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame and UFC 273 is in the rearview mirror. Quite the event. But uh, we learned a lot about Hamzat Shemaev. And I think that's the big story coming out of this particular weekend. And I know that you've talked about you know, how very few strikers impress you. And I'm sure that his striking leaves a lot to be desired. Am I right on that? Yeah, I, I said, uh, as I keep saying, it's like we got to pump our brakes a bit. And I think uh, he showed good and bad. But if anything, he looked human. I think that was what we saw. He looked human. Uh, he could take a good shot. But... I think what, if anything, did he impress me as, uh, you know, his skill? Yeah, he still impressed me very well. But what really impressed me was his heart. He showed heart. He showed the ability to get hit. He's in for exciting fights. I was entertained. My last rant last week was I'm not entertained by fights, but he entertained me. I mean, did he show a lot of vulnerability? Did he show a lot of holes in his game? Yes. I I mean, that's why I kind of said we need to pump our brakes with him a little bit. But, again, he impressed me more with his heart. The, his ability to want to finish the fight. He can take a hit, keep coming forward. So he earned my respect, that's for sure. Well, I think the things you're discussing are the intangibles, right? Those are the things that you can't really teach, which are heart, which are having yeah. a good chin, which mm-hmm. are being relentless, being confident. He has all of those. I yeah. think that the skill just has the opportunity to catch up to those things. And that's where he gets really scary because he's 27 years old. And yeah. obviously uh, he can run through the, the guys that the, in this division that are lower ranked. But when he gets to that top, and that's where he's going to stay now because he's not got nowhere to go but up. Yep. That's where we're going to start to see just how good this guy is. And that, that's what really excites me about him is because a matchup uh, between him and Colby Covington, which seems to be what was Dana White was saying might be next, uh, that's an interesting one. Because I, I don't know what the line is now, but I know it opened at near even. And I think the money started to come in on Shemaev. But uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly... Interesting to see where that's going to go. Yeah, you nailed it, though. Like, those things that Shemayev showed, you can't teach. But we got to remember, too, I mean, this is why I was saying pump the brakes. I'm going to keep saying that because it's only his 10th fight. 11th fight, was it? Yeah, I think 11th I mean, fight. he's still new. It's He's still growing. Four years as a professional. So, I mean, the what we saw in him just shows that potential. But, I mean, I, I bet you a lot of guys in the division now were, would be willing to step up and fight him. I can guarantee yeah, that. I mean, you, you hear Bilal Muhammad talking about him this week. And, and Bilal Muhammad, to his credit, has talked about fighting Shemaev before this. But, yeah, I think Gilbert Burns did the rest of the division a favor by really yeah. giving everybody this big sample size. And when I spoke to Gilbert Burns, I spoke to him before and after the fight. I spoke to him, oh, and nice. I said to him, you know, how worried were you for this particular fight? Like, how nervous were you? Because you just don't have the information that you need going into a fight like this where you look at, what Shemaev brings to the table, we don't really know. All we've done is see this guy run through people. And he says, well, I'm nervous going into every fight. A lot of my fights, I'm in the back, and I'm saying, you know, what am I doing here? And then once the music hits and I start walking out, that's when I kind of kick into fighter mode and and get going. And he said, you know, he goes, I was throwing bombs at that guy, and he was taking them. So, like, credit to him. But he said, you know what, if this was a five-round fight, how would that have played out? And that's what Gilbert Burns wants, is he wants... To face Shemaev, and he was very realistic about it when I spoke to him. He goes, I, you know, go, he goes, you know what? I gave him the courtesy. I was ranked number two. He was ranked number eleven. I took the fight. Now all I want is that same courtesy back. I want a five round rematch with him at some point. He goes, I know they're trying to make the Colby fight, and if he beats Colby, he's probably going to fight Usman. But in the next three fights, I'd like a rematch with him 
because I think that a five-round fight would be very different. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's where experience comes, and that's where Burns has the advantage, right? He's got the experience. So I think in five rounds, three rounds to five rounds is a totally different game. And it, it, I think Shamayev's going to have to try to change his approach a bit. You can't be as aggressive as, you know, um, laying out so much energy in the earlier rounds and five rounds. But like we said, he, he's new. He's going to keep getting better. But I just love Gilbert Burns. I just is mm-hmm. his personality, the way he comes out, how sweet he is as a, as a martial artist. I mean, I think if anything, Gilbert Burns uh, has never really been on my list of fighters that I'm like, oh, I want to watch. And, you know, I really, you know, I rate him very high as a martial artist. But I think now he kind of, uh, again, earned my respect. And he's a guy that I want to keep watching. There were no losers in that fight, I think, as a result. I think Gilbert Burns, and another thing he said to me when I spoke to him this week was, I deserve a big fight now. Like, listen, I would like to face Masvidal. I'd like to face one of the Diaz brothers. You know, like, I think that by showing what I could do against Shemaev, and I think that he really did earn the fans' respect. Like, I think that a lot of people going into that fight, the the betting line moved from, like, even money. It opened at even money. Fifteen minutes later, Shemaev was, like, minus 300. And then it got all the way up to minus 800 at one point in time for Shemaev, I think. Like, somewhere, somewhere outrageous like that. And I think people just thought that Shemaev was going to run right through Gilbert Burns because that's what they knew. That's what they saw from Shemaev. But if you know Gilbert Burns, you know that that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, Gilbert proved that on the weekend. And I think that because... Gilbert kind of showed out and made it a close fight. And I, and I saw a lot of people on my timeline saying I thought that they thought Gilbert won that fight. Um, I, I had it scored for Shemaev, but I think that that third round was, was fairly close. Um, and even rewatching it, I thought the second round was fairly close as well. I mean, if Gilbert didn't drop him at the end of that round, I think that, that round is a much closer round than uh, it could have been. I, obviously, Gilbert won that round for sure, but it was a close round up until Gilbert dropped him. Um, yeah. So I think that... You know, you can make the case that you, you thought Burns won, but I, I just think that if you do that, it just goes to show that this was a very close fight and that the expectation was that Shemaev was going to run through this guy. Gilbert put up a brick wall. Shemaev was still able to get it done, but I still think that it raised both their stocks dramatically. And, I you know, the people that are saying, oh, Shemaev is going to lose, he's going to get smashed by Usman or Colby's going to run through him. Like, what did you expect to see here? I mean, you, you, people build this legend up in their head about how good Shemaev's going to be. If he was going to run through Gilbert Burns, like if he beat Gilbert Burns in the first round in like, whatever, two minutes, I mean, now you're talking about one of the greatest, like potential to be one of the greatest of all time. And even still, I think at age 27, being able to fight in two divisions, being able to beat Gilbert Burns so early in his UFC career, we could still see him be, being one of these all-time greats, but I think that everybody's kind of come a little bit more down to earth about Shemaev and the fact that he is, as Dana White put it in the post-fight press conference, human. And humans yeah. go through human trials. And I, I think, too, like the, we said, oh, if he gets this, it's going to be the Usman fight. You got to give him next. But I think this fight showed that the Colby fight, I think, is the way to go. I mean, I think he needs that little bit of extra time to develop. I think a, a five-rounder would be good next for him, though. I Like, uh, we got to see him in five rounds, I think, before we put him in a title fight. So if we can get him against Colby, I know we... Uh, they have done uh, non-title fights uh, or even a fight night or something. Put them for five-round main event. I think that's what we've got to see Shemayev next, in my opinion. I agree with you. And there's a Fox card, apparently. Or not Fox. Jeez, I'm, I'm living in the past here. An ABC card coming up uh, sometime oh. soon. And that's what Dana White wants to headline Shemayev with. But listen, if Colby doesn't want to take that fight and they need another opponent for Shemayev, like, there's some, still some good options here. I mean, you've got the fight between Luke and Muhammad this weekend. The winner of that fight would make sense. And I still think a five-round fight with Burns, even if it's right away, 
I mean, people people are going to watch cool. that on ABC, right? Like, that's going to draw big ratings. We've seen what these guys can do with each other. The chemistry is there to, to provide a great fight. I, I don't think that would be a bad idea, honestly. Like, it, again, this is if Colby, for whatever reason, doesn't want to take this fight. I don't know if, he's, if he would be hurt or maybe he just doesn't think it's a good matchup for him. It doesn't think it's good for a stock. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, if you're going to put Shemaev in that ABC card, you've got a lot of other options that outside of Colby Covington that would still be great. Yeah, I think the winner of this Vicente Bilal is a good option too. And I mean, because I think Colby is still that one step ahead, right? And I mean, I don't think it's crazy to have Shamaya fight a couple more times before he gets to that that main, you know, title fight with Usman. Because the problem is if you put him right away with Usman and he loses, and then he's got to do those steps again. So I would rather kind of see him do these steps now while he's developing, unless they're really desperate for a new contender for Usman, which it kind of seems like they are now. Right, so I just that's think that that's a big too. money fight, right? Like if you're gonna if Shamayev is, you know, even if they made Shamayev Usman right away and put it on pay per view, I think a lot of people would see that, but uh, would, would watch that and it would sell really well. But like you said, I mean, is it is it too soon in his development to to go right into a title fight? And then you might be right by saying that perhaps it is. Yeah, that's what I think it is. I mean, is it what's best for numbers versus what's best for Shamayev? Might be two different things. But I think I don't wouldn't mind seeing him get the two fights. I would. I think logically the winner out of, uh, you know, the Bilal Vicente would make sense next. And then he can take Colby because it doesn't seem like Colby's an active guy anyways, right? He only wants to fight a couple times a year. So if that, that would be my, uh, if I was Chemayev's management, that would be the path probably. Get him more fights, build his stock, build his contract up, probably gets more money the time he gets to Usman. And I mean, it just makes sense for him that way. Yeah, so we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I think that that fight showed us, really taught us a lot about what we can expect to see from Shamayev. I, I still thought his striking was pretty good. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, it was serviceable for sure. And there's a lot of room for growth and he has the power. He dropped Burns with that jab at the end of the first round. The wrestling, yeah. I think he, he said afterwards that he abandoned the wrestling because Burns was looking for arm bars and things like that. And he said he just didn't want to deal with that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I mean, and there are very few fighters in the welterweight division that are going to throw that kind of stuff at you where you're going for takedowns. That's why the Burns matchup was so unique. Like, on the feet, I thought it was fairly evenly matched because I think Burns striking is very underrated. And then on the ground, even if Shemaev was going to push the wrestling agenda, you've got Burns that is a world-class jiu-jitsu practitioner, a world champion in jiu-jitsu that's going to throw all kinds of looks at him. Whereas if you have Shemaev against Colby, like where do you think Colby beats Shemaev in that fight? Do you think he can outland him in terms of volume? Do you think that in the wrestling he's going to have success? Because I think it's actually a terrible matchup for Colby. Yeah, so do I. I mean, Colby's pressure with good volume, with takedowns, I don't think that really works well against Shemaev. Like, I, I, that's a good question. I don't know where Colby. I think Colby has it more in the way he can manage distance maybe, but... I don't know. I, I think you're right. Shemaev hits harder. Uh, Shemaev's grappling might be just as on par. Uh, I mean, just more of that pressure and experience might be Kobe. But yeah, to me, it's almost a, a pick and fight. But I think if it goes five rounds, that's where four and five would all be Kobe right now. Although you hear Shemaev's training partners say like that he's got insane cardio also, right? Obviously, in a fight like Burns like that, that cardio is not going to show because you're getting tagged. And it's like, you're, I think yeah. the stress of a fight like that takes a lot out of you. Whereas I think against Colby, he's not going to really face that. He'll face a lot of different looks and he'll face a lot of different, like, relentless pressure, but I don't think he's going to face the same kind of power that Gilbert Burns threw at him. Where No, no, no and, and And that kind of power will stress someone out to the point where it'll exhaust them. I don't think that Colby um, 
sure, he's got the gas tank to exhaust them, but I don't think that in terms of cardio down the stretch that it'll be as tiring for Shemaev to face a guy like Colby than it was Burns. Yeah, I think Colby will mix it up a little bit more where, like, he'll throw those two, three strikes and then kind of grapple you a little bit, then push you off, hit you again. So I think it's those transitions in those little moments where Colby's a lot better than Burns because Burns is almost a little bit predictable, right? You can – you just – this is where the striking of Shemaev wasn't great. Like when you have somebody shelled up and you're kind of like tagging them, like you have to be cautious of the counterpunch, you know, and he's sitting there with his chin up, you know, waiting for it. So, I mean, it was very, that's where it was amateurish in that moment, but a lot of fighter make, make those mistakes. But I mean, there's, there's a learning opportunity and I think that's where it is. And Shemaev being young, it's just, it's going to learn from everything from this, but I think you're right. I think, if you give me, if I had to put odds on it now, I would put literally Kobe and Shamayev as a pick-em. Let's see where the odds are sitting at right now. Hang on. I'm gonna pull I up. think right now, if with the odds with him and uh, Kamaru, I think now Kamaru would be a bigger, a lot bigger favorite after this fight. All right. Shamayev is minus 155, Covington plus 135, and Usman minus 135, Shamayev plus 115 are the odds right Whoa. now. I, I would have thought it'd be higher. For, for the Usman, Usman fight? Right now, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, that fight's not happening anytime soon, right? So you're betting on something where maybe Shemaev looks fantastic in the next fight and you're getting a good deal on him, right? Maybe yeah. Usman looks rough against Leon Edwards and you're getting, you know, who knows? That, that, I think those are speculative odds, and uh, I think you're only allowed to put a certain amount of money on those anyways at this point in time. But uh, be that as it may, uh, that's what really the talk of the MMA world has been. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Shemaev turning 28 in about three weeks' time. Will okay. he be the welterweight champion of the UFC at some point in his career? Uh, at some point of his career, yes. And what about a two-division champion? Will he be a two-division champion moving up to middleweight where he's fought already? He's undefeated at middleweight. Will he be a two-division champion at some point in his career or at least win both division belts at some point in his career? Uh, I think it's going to be hard with Adesanya. I don't think he beats Adesanya right now. Not right now. I'm saying at some point point in his career. By the time Uh, he retires. I would put... Yes, for welterweight, 50-50 chance at double champ. All right, cool. That's because, well. yeah, I think it's good. I think, he, I think he has the potential for double champ. What say you? Now you got you to answer it now. Yeah, I think he will. I think he, I, I, I emphatically champ? believe he will be a two-division champion at some point in the next 10 years of his career. Yeah. I just don't think he could. I mean, yes, in theory, his grappling is so much better than Adesanya. But if Adesanya is in that division, the way he strikes and the way – Shemayev got hit. I don't know. I think it's interesting, but uh, yeah, there's a good chance. Definitely a good chance. Because outside of outside of uh, Israel Adesanya, I basically think the middleweight division's his. Yeah, like, right. I mean, I think Adesanya, he doesn't have. Who's, there's who's not a lot there. of bad matchups for Shemayev in the middleweight division, and I also think that that's a really tough matchup for Israel. If like against a guy like Shemayev, yeah, yeah, it's scary. It's all grappling. You mean, the biggest fear is the grappling, and as a striker. We don't want those. The last person we want is Shemaev, right? So um, I think it'll be an interesting fight. But I don't know. I think the length and the way Adesanya manages distance and like, because I don't know. I, I don't think Burns would have a chance at all against Adesanya, how long he is and how rangy he is. So I don't know about I don't that. Know. I mean, think about who gave the most difficulty to Adesanya. It was Gastelum. Yeah, Gastelum and Burns yeah. is very similar. He's compact, small, hits hard, good at take down, you know, good at wrestling. Plus, he's got the jiu-jitsu in his back pocket. I actually think Burns is not a is a, is a very difficult matchup for Israel, to be perfectly. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. Israel's facing Cannoneer next. I think Burns is a more difficult matchup for Israel than Cannoneer is. I might sound crazy saying that, but I believe that that's uh, true. 
Yeah, no, I think Candonier is a little bit longer, more confident, hits harder. I think also the way uh, Gaslam is, it's a little different than Burns. Gaslam moves his head a lot up and down, kind of like will faint in a little bit more. Burns was kind of just more swingy, one-punch power. Um, yeah, I mean, but also we've seen Izzy develop so much since Gaslam. But yeah, I see your point. I think, again, Burns is has the heart, uh, the skill. He can do it all, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Israel would be a lot say, bigger yeah. than Burns, though. I mean, how how tall is that Dylan range? Burns, that Burns I think, is like 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, 5'10". So he'd be a lot bigger. But then again, Gastelum's 5'9", right? So it's like, you yeah, know. Yeah, no. It's, they're all good opportunities. Mm-hmm. I almost think the welterweight division is almost harder than the middleweight division for a lot of those fights for Izzy. Oh, for sure. Just from a stylistic standpoint, I would agree with that. Yeah, because welterweights are more grappling-based. They got good striking and good wrestling, and... I don't know. There's not really many guys who pose too much threat in the middleweight division for me. Like, even when I look, if, if someone would be like, who would I want to fight? The middleweight guys I'd rather. I'd rather fight Vittori than, like, a Colby Covington. You know, I would rather fight someone like that. Mm-hmm. That's going to give me uh, more predictable, more on the feet kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, and I think it's like just a, interesting. Not like a high-level credentialed wrestler, right? We've seen Vittori as a good wrestler, but he's not like an NCAA All-American. Yeah, exactly. I would rather pick that fight for sure. So I think the, the welterweight is the harder division. Israel came in at a good time. Because if he would have come in like five, six years earlier, you look at like the Weidmans and Rockholds of the exactly. world. Those would have been tougher yeah. matchups for him. Yeah, I would love to have seen him in Rockhold. Yeah, I think now it's all out of Sanya, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think his hardest test in his career probably would have been Chris Weidman in his prime. Oh, for sure. And Rockhold too. Yeah. Like I think Rockhold would have given him given him nightmares with his grappling, um, yeah. his top control, his length. I mean, I think in the striking Israel would have a massive advantage, but I mean, I think Rockhold uh, in his prime would have probably been able to beat Israel. Yeah. I forget about how good Rockhold he was is so on the good. ground. Yeah, he's I just so good on the good ground. On the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget. I forget because you look at him as a striker a lot of times, which is weird. But his grappling is probably his best thing. Yeah, and his ground and pound, like his control, his ground, he's, he was excellent. People, if if you're newer to watching MMA, like if you're listening to the show and you're, you just got into MMA in the last three four years, go back and watch Rockhold's fights early in his UFC tenure or his Strikeforce tenure. Uh, that yeah. he he was a, an excellent fight. I mean, injuries really hampered his career, similar to Weidman, but. Yeah, unfortunately took away a lot of his best years. Let's go to the main event. It's rare that we start with the third from the top fight, but that seems like it was the biggest story coming out of this event. But Alexander Volkanovsky puts on an absolute clinic against the Korean zombie. Joe Rogan said it looked like a seminar, and I think that that is probably the best way to put it because Volkanovsky put on an absolute show. Yeah, and I mean, his footwork is what... uh was the best part of it i mean it's funny because i sent uh, after watching it i sent it to my, my teammates to watch it's kind of very similar footwork we're working on he circles to the left jabs to the left when he's in southpaw he likes to go to his right so he's very predictable with his structured um footwork which a lot of guys aren't picking up on but the way he angles the way he faints the way he uses his kicks to set up his punches uh, you know, the, the mix of the grappling. I think he did phenomenal. I I just don't think the Korean Zombie's what he used to be. And I think it's just, uh, it was a good opportunity for Volkanovski to just pick him apart. I mean, I don't think he was tested. And I, I didn't really think Korean Zombie was going to test him to begin with. And I think this is uh, what I expected from him. I picked him to win by finish, so I was happy he got it. Yeah, he absolutely got it. And uh, it seemed like he felt bad going into that fourth round against the Korean zombie. He went, looked at him from across the gate and said, are you okay? Basically like, yeah. but you know what? Like he, he quickly reentered fighter mode and, uh, and took that fight over very quickly. So 
Uh, kudos to Alexander Volkanovsky scoring a finish and a good stoppage by Herb Dean. I mean, Jung was, you know, Korean Zombie was kind of out on his feet, but, you know, he didn't wait for more damage to be inflicted. And honestly, you probably could have stopped it between rounds if you were his corner. The referee, like, it's not on Herb Dean to stop it between rounds. That's where the corner and the doctor have to come into play. So uh, I thought that Herb Dean basically was like, you know, show me something or I'm stopping this fight. Similar to the Hapel dos Anjos and... Um, Moicano fight where it was like you know show me something <laughs> you know don't get yeah, hit show yeah. me something whereas Moicano did the Korean zombie didn't have enough time to uh to get back to where he was and very sad post-fight speech apparently his translator didn't say this but he said something along the lines of I now know that I don't have what it takes to be the champion like it's yeah, yeah. just a stark realization while you're in the in there um but Volkanovsky proving he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world moving up the ladder in terms of all-time great Featherweights, I still have Aldo up there. I mean, what about about you in terms of all-time great featherweights? Yeah, I kind of think so, too. Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm also biased because I I was kind of more of an Aldo fan in his prime. So it's kind of like even when people talk like Anderson Silva, like it's all I'm always going to go towards Anderson Silva and the GSPs, you know, like even now I'll probably still say GSP over Kamaru just because I was probably more um, into the fighters at the time than I am now. But uh, I think Volkanovski, what is he, 21 straight wins? Yeah, and he's never lost. He's got one loss in his career. Was at welterweight. Yeah, like, we got to start talking fights. about him. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want to see him now, though. Like, what do you think the logical fight is? Is it, uh, you know, someone like Cejudo or are we seeing Holloway again? It's <sighs> a great question. I mean, the thing is, Cejudo has to be in the USADA pool for six months unless he gets an exemption. But I think you make the Holloway fight. And I, I still think that the Cejudo fight's a great fight, though. Like, I think the Cejudo fight, I don't know why people aren't giving Cejudo that much credit. It seems like people forget about how good this guy was. Like, he's an Olympic gold medalist, two-division champion. I think that's a really interesting fight, especially from a matchup standpoint. You know, like, a lot of people are saying, oh, let's see Cejudo fight somebody at 45 first. And I think that from a matchup standpoint, this is a really intriguing matchup, just because they're both very compact. You've got the wrestling of Cejudo. Um, I still think Cejudo's a very good striker as well, an underrated striker. I think that would be a fantastic matchup, honestly. Um, but I, I think the Holloway fight, there's still a, a hunger for that. I actually think that the fight with Yair kind of made people um, a little bit less hungry for the uh, the Holloway trilogy fight. But I still think that they should make it. Uh, Volkanovski talking about moving up to 55, but there are just so many competitors at 155 that have been waiting to get that title shot that I feel it would be... I, I still think that you, you keep Volkanovski at featherweight. I don't think there's a, an urgency to move him up to 55. Yeah, I, I like the Suhudo fight just more personally because I think it gives him like that super fight feel that he deserves. Like, I mean, he's defended it so many times. It gives it a break. We know kind of what to expect in the, the Holloway fight. You know, they fought already that two times before. So I kind of like Suhudo to change it up. Gives him like a, a super fight feeling. Just he kind of deserves those big fights. And I think after so many title defenses, that's kind of what you need. This is why I keep saying with Kamaru Usman, he needs the super fight. I think at some point you got to give him a big super fight, draw a big super card, and make him a you know a big pay per view. And I think he just needs those big action fights now. He needs something to get him you know continually motivated. Has Volkanovski headlined the pay per view? And I'm trying. To, oh, I mean, he headlined the one this past weekend. But before that, has he headlined the pay per view? Was two sixty six a headliner? Yeah, so he headlined two sixty six. So he's headlined pay per views before. I'm sure he, one of the max fights I believe was probably a headliner too. Nope, nope. Two fifty one was not a headliner. And I don't think 245 was either. 245 was, no, Usman Covington. Um, 237 
no, he was he wasn't even the champion at that point in time against Aldo. So he's uh, headlined two straight pay per views. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you're right. It would have a super fight feel to it, and the stakes would be so high for Zahudo to try to become a three division champion. Nobody's ever done that before. Really, uh, I think a win over Volkanovski for Zahudo would cement him as like a top three all time fighter. Honestly, in terms of resume, I, I don't see a win over Demetrius Johnson becoming the. Uh, the bantamweight champion over Marais, who retired. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. But uh, I think that uh, the stakes would just be super high for that one. Uh, why don't we move on to the co-main event? Aljamain Sterling shocks the world. Upsets Piotr Jan. Now, a lot of people thought this was a controversial scorecard. I, I don't think it was at all. I, th- I still think you could look at the second round as a potential 10-8 for Sterling. It doesn't really match the, the 10-8 criteria that are being used today by the judges to a T, the, the, the damage, the significant damage wasn't really there, but he had control for such a long time. Not to mention that people, I think, are underestimating the damage of a, of a really tight, um, of, of those tight hooks, the body lock. Like, I think that that will take a lot out of a fighter, even though it's not visible damage. Yeah, yeah, it's squeezing on you for four minutes, and like, I don't know, like, I, I don't necessarily think it was a 10-8 either. I don't think he, there was enough... Uh, you got the position, but again, I also, I'm, I know we always go back. Like maybe he wasn't doing much, but he had his back. I mean, we know Jan wa- is wanted to strike. He's on his back. He's controlling him for so many, for so long. Like this is where, again, I ranted again. People ask me what I thought of. I mean, I brought up your point of all the time. It needs the half point system. Because mm-hmm. at, at right. some points, it, that was the perfect opportunity for the half point system. Because the and the ra- third round would have been 10 round- to 8 and a half too, I think. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it. Like the round that round two, the one that Jan won, uh, so that Aljo won, was not the same as round four or five that Jan won. So I mean, it needed that half point system because at the end of it, Aljo won that fight. A hundred percent. If it's pride rules, pride rules. Aljo's won the fight. Aljo won the fight. He won the fight. And I mean, so based on that, I thought that was a perfect example. If if there was a the half point system, we wouldn't even be discussing this being a controversial fight at all. And you can't call it a robbery. The first round was a close round. It's a close yeah. round. Jan didn't do much for the beginning of that round. I thought that Jan landed the best shot of the round, but you could certainly make a case that Sterling won that round. I I had Jan winning that round, but that was, I mean, listen, it's like after midnight on the East Coast, I'm watching the fight. I went back and watched it. Uh, I, I'd probably give that round to Sterling, honestly, that first round on a rewatch. Yeah. And yeah, I, when I watched it, I thought it too, because even the biggest shot I thought came from Sterling. I know you said Jan. I thought he hit him with an elbow that kind of rocked him a little bit. Yeah, I just thought that yeah. at the end of the round, Jan. And I don't know if it was Sterling was rolling with the punch or what it was. It just it was a, a fight that looked like it did a little bit more damage. But again, I, I, going back, I, I think you give Sterling that first round. I, and again, pride rules that Sterling Sterling wins that fight. If you do a half point yeah. system, Sterling wins that fight. So. Yeah. I, you know, I just don't see the controversy here. And I think if you scored it for Jan, too, that's a reasonable scorecard. Based on the scoring criteria in place, reasonable scorecard to give it a 48-47 for Jan. Yeah. And, and when you got to think, Jan always looks favorable because he's a pressure fighter. He comes forward, but him coming forward a lot of times, the fans and the judges watch the forward pressure, but a lot of times they don't see the guy moving around, evading, picking the shot so a lot of times you don't see that you just continually value the pressure fighter i'm a big you know um i get in trouble for that all the time one of the examples was jason wilness versus adesanya and glory you know adesanya was moving picking around with the jab wilness was pressuring and chopping with low kicks and at the end of the fight i kept saying i think wilness won 
Adesanya and his team in his camp got very upset with my commentary. They weren't happy with it. But at the end of the day, it was kind of like I was trying. I valued the pressure fighter. Rewatching it, I saw Adesanya moving, jabbing. I saw a different fight a lot of times. But when you're watching live and you see pressure, like you tend to value that a lot more. For sure. And uh, I think that you look at the criteria and pressure fighting isn't like being aggressive is not in the criteria. Yeah. It's the primary criteria. It's secondary criteria. Yeah. You wouldn't even go to that. Like the judges don't really yeah. look for that. They're looking for damage, 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 damage. And I think that if that's what you're looking for in the first round, you can score it really for either guy, depending on what you value more. But uh, yeah. uh, Sterling, you got to give Sterling the credit, man. Like if people are still saying Sterling's not a legitimate champion or blah, 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 that's on you. That's not on him. He, he, he did his job. Yeah. He won that Beyond. fight. Beyond yeah. did his job. He, he, yeah, he you know? exceeded expectations. If your expectations yeah. were that Jan was going to run through him, that didn't happen. If you don't agree with the scorecards, that's fine. You have to give Sterling his due. He won that fight. Yeah. I, I picked Jan to win by decision, but that was almost like because of the betting lines. But I'm honestly happier and for Al Jermaine winning at the end of it. I feel good. I think he deserves it. To know that he had the surgery... Apparently, that with the, the pinched nerve, his tricep atrophied, you know, he, he didn't know he was going to fight again and then have to go in against someone who beat, like, who's saying they're going to beat him. Like, it was a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, emotional time from. So I'm kind of happy to see him win. Uh, Dern beats Torres by split decision. First round, very, very, very close. Like, very close. But again, if, if there's a half point system, that's Dern's fight. Yeah. That second round was all Dern attacking with yep. submissions, had full control. Yep. So uh, that first round was very close, though. And I, you know, go, in hindsight, going back and watching it, Torres did land a lot more strikes. And I mean, Dern landed that big looping shot that looked like it did damage. And I think that that was the one shot that swayed that round. Like, I don't think if Dern doesn't hit that big hook, uh, and again, it's kind of a looping strike, but it, it seemed to shake Torres a little bit. Which, in the eyes of the judges, sitting cage side, they might notice a little nuance there that maybe those on, that are watching on TV don't see. Those are the little things that swing around. So a very close fight. Uh, I'm not upset by the decision. I actually had it scored for Dern as well, but I can see why people scored it for Torres. Yeah, I mean, she's one of the few fighters that you wouldn't yell at, you know, for jumping guard like that, you know? Oh, Most people sure. are like, you jump in guard, and you're like, jump guard, you know? This is one of the few people that you would, would encourage her to jump and pull guard. So, yeah, I mean, I think she's slowly climbing her way up and slowly evolving. Her striking's getting better. But, again, I thought Tisha did great. I thought she still, you know, could have taken that fight as well. So, I think they both did uh, showed improvements in it. All right, a couple more things. Ian Gary defeats Darian Weeks. Uh didn't think much of this fight, honestly. I didn't think that Gary... Mm. When you've got an opponent like Darian Weeks, who's really kind of a, a really lower-level welterweight that you're being put in a position to succeed against, you got to show out. Yeah. And I just don't yeah. think he did. No, I wasn't... Uh, I, I was getting excited. I'm like, all right, this kid's going to be the thing. Everyone's talking. I, I, it was very... I wasn't impressed, to be honest. But And then after, I remembered, he's 24 years old, mm -hmm. second yeah, UFC right. fight. I had to kind of go back and be like, 24 years old that that's a baby you know and the big stage all the pressure on him people telling him he's the next big star so i think uh he needs to do more played a little bit too safe like i'd rather see patty pimlet in there taking risks chin up i mean he got uh you know gary got hit last showed a little bit better distance mixing things up but he didn't bring that excitement the the, the killer instinct the you know the pop i mean Again, 24 years old, but I, I did expect a little bit more from him. Maybe that's by design. Maybe he wants to show that uh, 
he could fight a more methodical fight. And maybe that's what his, his team wanted him to do at this juncture in his career. But either way, I think that you're, you're given a prelim spot, the prelim main event right before the main card. You, you got to make a statement. Um, anything else to touch on here? Mike Malott, fantastic win over Mickey Gall and an even better post-fight speech. He told me that, uh, I spoke to him yesterday, uh, fans gave him $2,600 in cash on his way back to the dressing room. Like people just handing him money to yeah. help support his coach uh, and his daughter's, his coach's daughter's uh, battle against stage three lymphoma. So uh, kudos to Mike Malott, just a gentleman, really yeah. fantastic to have him representing Canada in MMA. Yeah, no, I mean, I got very emotional hearing it and how nice of a guy he is. I mean, like I said, I didn't really know who he was before, but yeah, no, I'm excited to see how he does. And, but my big thing is, I'm sorry, Mickey Gall, but when did you become so crappy, man? Like, when did you start not moving your head? You're keeping your chin up. You're throwing with your... I was like, I never seen Mickey Gall fight so terribly in my life. Like, that's, he I, just keeps going to so many camps. I think that's the big problem. Is like, he I'm keeps sorry, going Mickey from Gall. Camp you to look camp. terrible. He, he's fought, gone to TriStar. He's gone to Sanford. He was in New Jersey for a while with the, the Miller brothers. Like, he's just all over Joe the place. Joe Schilling for many years. Like, I would think if you train with Joe Schilling, like, he literally did not move his head and left his chin so high. I've never seen anything so plattered on, like, a plate. Like, I mean, the chin was there. Like, if Mike Malat didn't knock him out, I would have totally, even though if he would have won, I would have been like, he left you his chin, and you're supposed to be a striker. You got to, like, it was too easy. It was way, you can give me Mickey Gall Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like, I would take his chin home every single time. Like, there's no chance. Like, I really got to think he's got to clean up that striking a lot if he's going to be at this level. I just think he's getting too comfortable striking. Like, his bread and butter was always jiu-jitsu. Why, why not grapple, man? Grapple, 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 grapple. Although Mike Malott's a great grapple in his own right, right? So who knows how yeah, that would have gone, no. but... Regardless how good Malat is, I just thought Mickey Gall, the way he stood there, exchanged in mid-range with his chin up. I'd never seen him do this. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Maybe he didn't take Mike very seriously, but he kind of deserved to get knocked out like that because it, it was very amateurish. Very right, so amateurish. Shout out to Mike Malat. Uh, they've, they've doubled the amount of money that was on the GoFundMe account for his coach, Joey Rodriguez. Oh. So uh, kudos to him. I spoke to him yesterday. You can catch uh, my interview with Mike Malott on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition, which is uploaded now. Also featuring interviews with Gilbert Burns, uh, with Bilal Muhammad, Vicente Luque, uh, Tanner Bozer. Oh. Who else did we have on? Uh, TJ Laramie. Pretty, really stacked show. So check that out uh, on your podcast feeds. Uh, really would appreciate that. Um, and if you're listening to this on TSN Radio, you can just subscribe to the TSN MMA Show podcast. And uh, you get all those interviews there. Um, nothing else really to touch on. I mean, Alexei Olenek is a monster, and uh, it's always fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you just said, ah, nothing really to talk about this 45-year-old monster, yeah. you know. He's, like, he's the best. Insane. He's insane. Yeah. Olenek's fights are always yeah. awesome. He's, he's yeah. just, you know. Just walk forward. As soon as he grabs you, you just try to don't let him grab you. That's it, because it, it's insane. Like, I honestly just, I laugh almost. It was more like I was laughing at him. Like, how is he still doing this? Like, what was this, his 46th submission Similar, or yeah, something like something that? Crazy. I, well, I don't know about 46. Well, let me see. Let's see. What was it? I swear it was something like that I heard. It was in the 47th submission. You're right. 47th submission win. Wow. That must be a heavyweight record. I don't think any heavyweights are going to catch up to that. Who even has that many fights in this Well, that's exactly it. Submissions. From mount and different scarf holds. And yeah, although a lot of these are also Z-Kill. middleweight and light heavyweight, these submissions. Because he's fought in three still, divisions. Still, but 46 submissions? That's insane. Yeah. 47 now, right? Insane. Fought through four different decades. That's just unbelievable, this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to be one of the uh, the OGs now. Like, who else is doing it? I think Anderson Silva 
uh, on the time we're doing this podcast is 47 today. Yeah, I think he just turned 47. That's right. That's insane. 47. He's got a submission for every year of Anderson Silva's life. Yeah, there you go. That's a good, that's one of your numbers. There were two fighters on the card that that were not yet born when he de- debuted in MMA. Yeah, Ian Gary was still uh, a, sp- a sparkle in yeah. his dad's eye. Same with Kay Hansen, who uh, yeah. unfortunately is no longer with the UFC apparently. So, uh, mm. yeah, she was, uh, I guess, not renewed after her contract expired following her loss to uh, Piera Rodriguez. But uh, yeah, Alexei Olenek's like Glover, except when he gets when he gets hurt, he loses. Like Glover, Glover can get hurt and hang in there and still sneak a submission out. If you hurt Alexei yeah. bad enough, he's out. <laughs> he's, he's not so Alex- bad. Alexei's older than Glover, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he's older than Glover. Yeah, like four years probably. I, I, it was yeah. weird seeing uh, Alexei standing next to Bruce Buffer and thinking that Bruce Buffer's twenty years older than Alexei Olenek too. That that, that kind of weirded me out. <laughs> That's funny. You and your numbers—you always find the unique number. Yeah. Like if you put Bruce Buffer next to Alexei Olenek and tell people like who's the older gentleman here, I think I think a good percentage are taking Alexei Olenek. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Bruce <laughs> looks good for his age. Yeah, absolutely. He's always working out. Working out his working out the pipes and the uh, yeah. and uh, in both ways his voice and his uh, his pipes his pythons. There you go. All right, uh, what else do we have to talk about? Uh, nothing. For, I think we're done with uh, with this card. Solid Bellator card coming up as well on Friday. You got AJ McKee versus Pitbull two. McKee a much bigger favorite this time around. The FanDuel minus three forty. Pitbull plus two sixty. And then you have Vadim Nemkov against Corey Anderson. Um, I like Anderson as an underdog in that fight. I think Anderson can, is going to get a, a stoppage in that fight. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, he gets it done too. I also I listened to AJ McKee on Ariel's show. Confident kid, eh? Like oh, he's just absolutely. So I interviewed him a couple weeks ago confident. too. Just brimming Jeez. with confidence. Oh yeah, he wants to make like ten million dollars like, uh, a fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think he says if he doesn't get hundred million dollar fight, he's going to be like, okay, yeah, yeah. settle Let's down, pump the brakes here a little bit. Here. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I, I was happy to hear that he does have some intention of possibly UFC in the future. And I thought that was a, a good thing to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's talked about that pretty openly. But it's a good negotiating ploy, right? Like, he's the best fighter I think Bellator has ever developed. And I don't think it's very particularly close. Although Pitbull uh, is probably in the mix there, too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to keep this homegrown talent whose very first fight was in Bellator, eh, open the checkbook a little bit. Yeah, what do you think? Do you think Chandler moving to the UFC was good for Bellator or bad? Well, I think it was good for Chandler, and I think that Bellator didn't need Chandler as badly as Chandler needed the UFC, if that makes sense. I don't yeah, think the UFC needed Chandler either. I think they could have been fine without him, but he's he's put on some really memorable fights so far. Yeah, no, but I'd like to see. I think he's the guy that if anyone uh, we want over, I think he'd be the perfect one to test, test himself. Well, why don't we take a look at this weekend's card coming up in the UFC. Uh, this is actually going to be the first UFC card since I've started covering the sport where I'm not going to be watching the prelims live and maybe some of the oh. Passover. So I've got my, okay. uh, my family Seder. I'm actually going to have to like watch it on delay, which I have not done since I've started covering the UFC. I've not missed a single fight live. And this oh, is going to be put it. it. On the, put it on the side maybe, you know? Put it on a... Put it on the phone like one of the kids. Well, I'm going to bring days. the laptop. I'm going to bring my laptop, and when I have a chance to go and watch some of it, I'm going to go do that. But it's uh, eh, if it's a family holiday, you know, he's sitting around with my family. I don't want to have to to be concerned with that. Uh, you know, I'll well, I'll check it out. But I mean, I'm not going to like let uh, a fight between Brandon Jenkins and Drakkar Close stop me from spending time with my extended family yeah, yeah. for the first time in many maybe, years. Maybe take a, a bathroom <laughs> break and watch uh, Jesse Ronson, though. Maybe a bathroom break for Jesse Ronson. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, you I, know? I would like to watch Jesse Ronson's fight for sure. 
because uh, Jesse's looking great. He worked with uh, Matt Special as his nutritionist to get his weight down. He's never been leaner. He's never been so because this is back to 155. So yeah, right. he's got down like he was on like his usual week fight weight like two, three weeks ago. So his weight cut's not going to be an issue. He's on point, feeling good, good energy. I think Jesse Ronson's is going to do well. I gotta say, talking to TJ Laramie yesterday, he seems like he's matured a lot since I had last spoken to him. I mean, hasn't fought in a year and a half. Not used to being that inactive. Uh, still only 24 years old, which is really shocking. But uh, yeah, interesting to see uh, him against that. That's a tough opponent, though. Pat Sabatini I know, is, is a killer. I know. Sabatini is what undefeated though, isn't he? Like, I don't know if he's undefeated. He's definitely undefeated in the UFC. In the UFC, like, no, he's I got mean, three I losses. I think it's uh, on the a tough scene. grappling. A tough grappler. Yeah, the, but, the guys you know, Laramie's good right? grappling, strong, can hit hard. It'll be a tough fight, I think, for, for both of them. I think it's a, a very good matchup, but I think Laramie's not getting any favor here. Well, kind of There's no story. odds on the site. What is it? What is the odds on this one, by Sabatini's the way? Sabatini's minus out. 420. And minus 420? Yeah, wow. Laramie plus 310. Ooh, okay. Yeah, big odds, long odds. But yeah. it's a funny story because Sabatini was supposed to be facing Gavin Tucker. And Gavin okay. Tucker got injured, but... Gavin Tucker called TJ Laramie and said, I want you to train with me so you can emulate Pat Sabatini because you guys are similar fighters. So he brought TJ oh, Laramie yeah. to Halifax to emulate okay. Pat Sabatini. That is pretty and, funny. And Laramie brought, wanted, is, was supposed to be facing, um, uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, Armenian uh, guy who uh, he just fought in New York. I can't remember his name. But uh, he was, uh, Laramie was supposed to face Melsic Bagdasarian. That's who he is. Melsic Bagdasarian, and he was like, you know, Gavin Tucker's a really good um, way to emulate him as well. So they, they were training together, and they, they, they forged a really good friendship, and then Tucker had to pull out of the fight, and they offered, and so did Melsic Bagdasarian, so they offered Pat Sabatini to Laramie. So now Laramie, who was emulating Pat Sabatini for Gavin Tucker, is now going to be facing Sabatini, and Gavin Tucker's actually going to be in Laramie's corner. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I just think it's for Laramie, it's almost like after losing his debut to get this fight, it's, I mean, they're two tough fights. I mean, same like Malcolm, they got two big tough fights to start to show their toughness, but they, uh, they're they not doing the Canadians any any easy fights, that's for sure. Did you see Tony they're Laramie's last work. fight? You watched it, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, TJ Laramie was in the corner, was when he was injured, and he looked, I was like, dude, this guy's never making 45 again. He looked like he weighed like Massive, two bills. Yeah. So I asked TJ, I go, TJ, I saw you with Tony. And I go, like, I go, dude, you look like you were like a middleweight. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I yeah. weighed 185 pounds. He goes, I, I couldn't Ooh. train. He had a bad staph infection, so he wasn't able to train. And um, it was around the holidays. He's like, I was eating everything. He's like, I like to eat. He's like, I, he's like, I ballooned up to like 185. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Jeez. So, yeah. Uh, that's 40, almost 50 pounds. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, again, that was like late, like, that was li- like late last year, right? So he's had time to, uh, to work out and, and get the weight off. But, man, he, he looked big. And Tony Laramie uh, likely fighting sometime soon as well. So uh, nice to see the Laramie brothers still doing their thing. The main event, Vicente Luque is a minus 188 favorite. Bilal Muhammad plus 152. These guys have fought before. Uh, Luque stopped Bilal in the first round. I think he's the only guy to get a stoppage win over Bilal Muhammad. But two different fighters now. That was five years ago. Uh, very interesting matchup. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I always Bilal's just impressive to me lately. I think he does well, and I mean Vicente, obviously the better striker, but I think Bilal's pressure and the way he can keep you against the cage. I think it's going to be a tough fight. I think it's. Uh, I'm not going to say Bilal should be the favorite, but uh, 
I wouldn't uh, be surprised if I uh, sprinkle a little underdog bet on Bilal getting it done by decision. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take Bilal, I think you take the decision. I don't think he's going to find a, a stoppage against Luke. He's super tough. But uh, what's the, what is the Muhammad by? Muhammad by decision is plus 280. I mean, like, that's. Yeah. You may as well just juice the odds up to that and take him there. Yeah. If you like yeah. to win. Yeah. Do you think uh, Vicente gets a finish, or what's your feeling on this I just, fight? I think it goes one way or the other. I think that Vicente snags either a sub or gets a KO at some point in the fight, or Bilal wins the decision. I, like, I, I don't really have a strong read on it either way, but I think that the value side is probably the Muhammad by submission, or by decision, rather, plus 280. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the that. best. Because, yeah. the, because based on the odds, the fight goes to a decision is plus 116. The fight doesn't go is minus 152, but the... Over four and a half rounds, it's like basically the, the total is set at four and a half rounds, right? So, like, if you think the fight's going to go over, you may as well just take Bilal by decision because, like, yeah, I think that yeah. if it goes to the scorecards, it's probably because Bilal's been able to grind Luke out. Yeah, yeah. Could Vicente win the decision? Good chance, yeah, but I just a, think yeah, Bilal, an off chance. You know? Yeah. But in a five-round fight, decision is a good one. Yeah. probably going to rely on Bilal's cardio. Yeah, me too. That pressure, man. The way he manages distance, his paints is getting in. You don't know if he's going to hit you or shoot at your legs. It's it's tough to deal with. So, and I think Vicente, who's kind of, I think we almost look at him. Well, I do personally. I look at him as more of a striker than more of a grappler. But we can know he, he can do both very well. And also, just remember that he uh, grabbed that sub against Kiesa. He's so sneaky with that Darce choke. It's so Bilal oh, yeah. doesn't mind his P's and Q's, but. Bilal's training, as always, with Mearshart, and uh, I asked him about, like, is Mearshart basically just strangling you and you've got to get out of it? And he's like, yeah, basically, that's what I do with Mearshart. Yeah. I tell him just, yeah. like, find, his, find, find the neck however you can, and I'll try to get out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and Bilal, yeah. good personality, too. He talks well on the mic. He's doing his shows. Like, I think he can be a, a full-package fighter with, uh, with him on the mic and being an analyst in the future. I think he'll be good. And Luke is just, like, the nicest guy on the planet. I was talking yeah, to him. Never he, met him. I would like to. Yeah. I was talking to him, and he was basically like, uh, you know, I don't talk trash. I just let my, my fighting do the talking. He's like, it's just not me. It's, I, I, you're never going to see me talking trash. And I was like, yeah. I mean, the, the problem is when you don't talk trash, everybody forgets about you like weeks after your fight. It's like everybody wants yeah. to hear you talk trash. It's, it's tough, right? Like for a guy like Luke, he's just so nice. <laughs> yeah, I can't see him talking trash. It would be out of character. Yeah, is there anything else on this card you want to, that you, you know, any other fight on this card that you really want to talk about? Is it's not a very stacked uh, card? There's a lot of no. Yeah, it's more of you uh, telling me which fights I should watch because I mean a lot of these guys I don't know, but like guys like Jordan, uh, is it Levitt? Yeah, would be uh, would be always funny to watch. You know, mm-hmm. Chris Barnett, I would say Jesse Ronson. Oh, Chris Barnett was watch. also on the uh, TSN MMA show interview edition. He's an awesome. He, he he told me the story of how he got into fighting. He was at the he was at a dance club. At like 2:30 a.m. and he had he has like he had like a wrestling and like taekwondo background, but like not not much. And he was doing these dance moves at the club, and these guys came up to him afterwards. He was like, "Hey, you know a lot of your dance moves? Those are like those are like kung fu moves, right?" He was like, "Yeah, you yeah. know, I used to I used to dance, I used to like do taekwondo or whatever." He goes, "They go, we got we got a fighter tryout tomorrow morning. You should come." And he was like, and "They were like yeah. it's at 6 a.m." and he goes, "It's he was like it's 2:30 a.m." They're like, yeah, it's at 6 a.m. if you want to come. He showed up. He, he was showed up yeah. hungover. And basically, like, he, they, he was hitting these guys with, like, massive shots. And they were like, you, you got it. He, was, he said he fought his first fight three weeks later. Like, his first pro That's fight. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just, like, awesome. it's an unbelievable story. Yeah, look at him now. Spinning heel kicks in the UFC. And, and now in another big fight. I mean, good for him. And he was, and I said, like, was getting going 
to the UFC always your goal because you've traveled so much. He's fought in Japan. He's fought all over the world. He goes, my goal is just to like make people smile. He goes, like that's all I care about. Yeah, I just want to make, love I want to put a smile on people's face. And I'm like, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. My buddy uh, William Knight's back on, but as a heavyweight. Yeah, we missed weight last time, so they're like, no, big boy's gonna do. I think it's just a short notice fight. I think they just needed a fight because Devin Clark's not a heavyweight either. Devin Clark's more of a middleweight. Yeah, I was gonna say I was I was surprised that uh, they did it at heavyweight, but yeah, that'll be a fun fight. (laughs) It's a lot of swinging bombs, but I'll be uh, I'll be watching. Yeah, thick Willie Knight. That that guy is uh, he's a big dude. Uh, if you watch his Instagram, it's all about him showing his weightlifting. It's insane. He's, he's basically lifting buses over his head. Like he's an he's basically an NFL running back. Like it's it's insane. He's a linebacker. Like mm-hmm. he's bench pressing. Like he puts like th- two plates on and does it like thirty times. Like he, the way he squats and deadlifts and benches. Like because the 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 combine test is you put two twenty five on as many as you can. You know mm-hmm. he's probably doing beyond what NFL guys are doing. Freakish strength. I've never seen anything like it. Backflips too. Like you can do it all. Yeah, oh, the guys the guys a, a freak, physical freak. But uh, we'll see how he does against Devin Clark's an underdog in that spot. And I might, I might uh, take a take a sprinkle on on William Knight at one, plus one fifty, plus one forty eight on Fanduel. Not bad, not bad. Um, yeah. Last thing I want to discuss: uh, Marlon Moraes announced yesterday that he is retiring from mixed martial arts. Uh, timing probably right, but uh, you know I spoke to him before his last fight, and he put everything into that camp. He moved away from his family for months to go to Thailand and train. He told his family like I'm putting. Like he goes, I need to bounce back. I need, I need to win. And to see him get knocked out by Song Yudong in the first round, uh, I, I, I didn't want to see him fight again after that, just because I know how much he sacrificed for that camp. And to see him lose like that after putting absolutely everything into it is just tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, thirty-three years old, I believe now, and yeah, just it's uh, you know your time. And I think he's, uh, I think he's a father with many, with a couple kids too, right? Yeah, I think he's got I mean, kids. At this time, I mean, it's. Uh, he knows. He knows better than anyone. I think his last losses were all knocked out too, right? So, I mean, you want to get out okay, especially if you have kids in your life. So, yeah, good on him. I think uh, a lot of fighters should follow that suit. When you know you're not going to be the champ and you're going to get knocked out a few times, and yeah, that's uh, I'm supportive of it. Yeah, it's uh, tough to see, but a great career. Was the champion of World Series of Fighting for some time. Came into the UFC, had some big fights, fought for the title against Henry Cejudo. Uh, you know, guy did it all. Should be very proud mm-hmm. of the career that he had. I'm just reading here. He's had uh, 34 professional fights. That's a lot of professional fights. You know, like that's uh, that's very impressive. You know, 10 knockouts, six submissions. You got to think 16 finishes out of 23 wins, 33 fights. What else do you want in a career? That's, that's phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, well, Joe, I know you got to get going, but uh, thank you for breaking this down with me. That was UFC 273 this past weekend, UFC fight night, Muhammad versus Luke this weekend. And then next weekend, UFC fight night, Lamosh versus Andrade main event. Not, not the juiciest yeah. main event, but a lot of really good fights on that card. You got Charles Jordan against Venata, Tanner Bozer against Alexander Romanov in the co-main event. Uh, Macy Barber against Montana De La Rosa, fantastic fight. Uh, Manel Kopp against Suma Derji. We talked about that Whoa, one in the past. Yeah. That's a fun one. Um, Ayuri Kalang is back. This week. Sorry? Sounds better than this week's card. It's deeper, for sure. Like the, I think the, the yeah. fights on it are better, but the main event's not quite as good. Yeah, yeah. They but spread it the wealth. Like a deep card. There you go. All right. Well, we'll talk to you then, Joe. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. 
For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.